to get you orientated on part two. I recently was sent on a mission to the shops, my domestic help, who is a wonderful, wonderful person and keeps me on my toes, informed me that my white shirts no longer looked white and that I should go get Jick. I'm not a huge fan of bleach in my home because I think it gets on everything, but I was sent on mission. The story will make sense in a moment. I know right now you're like, I've got other things to do. But um, off I went, one instruction on a mission. But along the way, I, I thought, well, I do need a couple of other things. And so I got there and I got a couple of other things. I checked out, I got in my car and got home. You already know what I didn't get. I didn't get the bleach. I was given a stare. I went back, of course, and made good. But it got me thinking about our conversation today on the idea that God is good. And I wondered what the danger would be of us coming here on earth on mission and getting everything else except what we were sent for. And what the danger would be of not being surrendered to Christ enough for Him to be able to get you to tick off all the exciting adventures that God had planned for your life and that you didn't only settle for or accumulate things that He didn't totally have in mind. The Bible describes that as gaining the whole world but losing your soul. That there is the sense of a mission that God has us on and it is in that mission, in fulfilling what God has in mind for us, that we truly can acknowledge the idea that God is good. You were built for a mission and you were placed, planted for a mission. You were created with a skill set and a talent and a heartbeat that connects with something that God had in mind for you so that your arrival and your destination were planned by God. And when you get those two things in rhythm, something really exciting happens. You can say, God is good to me. That doesn't mean that everything is good. Nowhere in Scripture does it suggest that everything will be good. It specifically says that God is good. Do you know, things aren't always good. But God is good in me and in that situation and in my life, He is good. We seem to misunderstand that the implication of God being good means everything must always be good. It's not always all good. Although I will say for the Nelson Mandela Metro, thank you for listening to my sermons and repairing the street lamps on our street. I'm very excited. The church is looking. Uh, yes, no, no, no. I'll, we'll clap in a moment. I've got more, I've got more. Uh, the signs are being repaired. The road is being taught. Literally the entrance to and from Father's house, anything that needs to be done is being done. And there's a reason for that. Somebody was listening in the metro office, and I got a phone call saying, are you the pastor who is talking about us on Sunday? <laughs> now I've got to fix street lamps. So while we're at it, the following street lamps are not working. <laughs> that, would be, that would be rude, right? Being on mission is not some sort of a spiritual churchy thing. It is the assignment of living a righteous life, a God-honoring and a God-fulfilling life, a God-glorifying life. This is the context in which we'll be able to say, God is good. Psalm 107 uh, says, Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. 
And His love endures forever. There is something incredibly powerful. Uh, in fact, the next verse goes on to say, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. The New Living Translation says, let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. The story we have to tell concerning the goodness and the love of God is simply this idea that based on how He made me and where He put me and the mission He sent me on, I have come here and I am taking, purchasing or accomplishing everything God had sent me to this earth to do. And although I can accumulate a lot of other things, they're not as valuable as fulfilling what God called us to be. It's an amazing thing, this, that the world puts pressure on you to accumulate assets, but we forget that one of the most important assets we can accumulate is internal spiritual fulfillment. There is no house big enough to contain an unhappy soul. You could keep buying them, but you wouldn't feel the fulfillment, fulfillment of them. God is good, even when things are not. God is good, even when there is sadness or disappointment or discouragement in something. I can still say the one perfect thing in my life is that God is good and I am in relationship with God. Lots of things are imperfect, but that is perfect. My relationship with the Father is perfect because it is initiated by Christ and it is actioned by believing. Nothing there is failing. In John chapter 10, one of the most famous passages of the Bible, God talks about himself through Jesus as being the good shepherd. He is good, but in a very practical way. So today, I want to talk to you about how to discover the goodness of God, how to identify and recognize that God is good. And perhaps we need to shake off a season of worry, anxiety, or sadness, snap out of it and recognize that worry, anxiety, or concern, or sadness occupies a space outside of my soul. And what occupies my soul is the goodness and the love and the light of God. We swap them around. We put God out there and we put worry inside. But God wants to be on the inside and He'll push all those other things to the outside. I will always have the company of imperfect things, but I can live in relationship with a perfect Savior. God is good. And because God is good, I am in a good place. I'm only able to say that because I'm in a good place with God. Wherever he goes, he makes a way for me. He levels off high hills and straightens crooked paths and he prepares a way for me so that he might be glorified. God is good and so I am in a good place with God. It's a really important concept because we wrestle not against flesh and blood. All your enemies are spiritual. They manifest themselves in something practical, but they are spiritual. And your, win, and your win is spiritual also. John chapter 10, verse 12, talks about the difference between a good shepherd and a bad shepherd. I am the good shepherd, verse 11, Jesus says, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away and the wolf attacks and scatters it. Verse 13, the man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father, I lay down my life for my sheep. 
I have other sheep. Oh, here's a nice controversial verse. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and shall be one flock under one shepherd. And the reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me. I lay it down of my own accord for I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from the father. It's a big chunk of scripture, but I wanted you to know that Jesus hasn't been given the responsibility to look after you or to bring your life to a good place. Jesus took the responsibility by choice. He's not paid to do it. He died to do it for us. We are owned by our heavenly father. That's significant. Jesus is a good shepherd because he's already paid the ultimate price. Another, what this verse is reminding us of is even if the wolf came, what difference would it make? Jesus can lay down his life and it can be taken up again. If the wolf comes to attack, Jesus has already paid the worst price possible. Nothing more is left that the enemy can do against our Savior. I want you to know that if you put your life in God's hands, you will see that God is good and he's taking you into a good place because you follow him. It's an interesting thing that we keep asking God to make things good and not to make us godly. Lord, please, will you make my business good? Lord, please, will you make my relationship good? Lord, please, will you make my muscles? <laughs> I mean, I'm not even, I don't even feel I can add the word good. Just make them, just something there. Just make them. We keep asking God to make good something on the outside of us, forgetting that what God really wants to do is be our good shepherd to us. Today, I wanna to invite you, whether you're online or in a site or listening uh, over the radio, I want to inv invite you to ask Jesus to be your good shepherd. Now, when we say that, we must remember that good for us isn't always nice to us. There is a song we sing, that makes me a little nervous. I don't know if you guys sing it at the other sites. I'll be honest, Vince, when I sing that part of the song, I sing it quietly. It says, I wanna be tried by fire. Do you know, sometimes I can't, like, sometimes I think, Lord, I have been barbecued enough this year. Let them other people sing that part of the song. I am not, do you see my lips are not moving? During this song, I want the angels to report that the little Greek in the front did not sing, I wanna be tried by fire. I am not ready for more fire. And everybody said, watch tonight, we're gonna be singing it to breakthrough, tried by fire. Do you know, uh, sometimes things are not nice to me, but later I come to trust and see they are good for me. If only we would let God be good. That would mean that he would put some things into our lives that are good for us, but not always nice for us. I think there's a massive difference. We live in a world in which we only do things we like doing. But once you enter into a spiritual relationship, you invite God to lead you to do things you might not like doing, but you know are right for your soul. God is good. Is he? Have you allowed the shepherd to 
to lead you. I imagine the role of a shepherd as something like a ninja. I'm probably going to get into trouble for that. Because the shepherd has a shepherd's staff, you know, a stick with a hook on the top. It gets used for everything. Sometimes you've got to chase the wolves away. Sometimes you've got to hook the sheep and say, come a little closer. You walk towards the light. Sometimes you've got to do both at the same time. Karate chop the wolf, gather the sheep. <laughs> Sometimes you've got to use it to get yourself up a hill. I want you to know that a good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep and confronts the wolf and that those two roles are very important. He doesn't only deal with the enemy, he also raises me above my enemies. There's no good keeping sheep in a dangerous circumstance and then keep fighting the wolves. He fights the wolves, but he leads me to plains that are free of wolves. You've got to be led out of where you are if you're finally going to find peace in some area in your life. He'll fight your insecurity, but he needs to plant you into a family so you can feel loved. The good shepherd must do both. He must fight the devil, but he must lead you to green pastures and still waters. And sometimes sheep don't like being led. Just sometimes. I do want to encourage you to trust the Lord and allow him to lead you. So how do you measure goodness? This morning, I want to take you through three parts of Scripture on measuring a good life by God's standards. How do you know if things are good? Are they good because things are financially stable? Are they good because she finally said yes? Are they good because it finally ended? I mean, I don't know. Are things good because the rain is coming? The ending I meant was the drought. Oh, you're accepting that? What defines whether it's, things are good? The danger is by whatever you measure it to be good, you've got to be careful because if it feels like it's gone, you might think goodness has gone too. A lot of things have come and gone. The goodness of God has remained and is renewed every day of my life. Surely, I posted this on my social media, got a huge response. Surely, goodness and mercy has followed me all the days of my life. Have there been some tough days? Yes, but goodness and mercy was there. Has there been some, have there been some amazing days? Yes, goodness and mercy was there. Other stuff can come and go. Relationships can have good days and bad days. Businesses can have good days and bad days. Your relationship with your kids might be awesome today. It could change by five o'clock this afternoon. But I want you to know, God is still good. Now, and at five o'clock this afternoon and tomorrow also. God is good and His mercies endure forever. Can you say amen to that? So the measuring of what we define to be good is really important and how you can witness the goodness of God in your life, irrespective of what's going on in your circumstances. And the first thing is the idea of a good measure, a good measure. In fact, Zimmy, uh, those of you on the other side, Zimmy, for her giving uh, a message, uh, other churches, uh, um, shared a verse about good measure. And she didn't know that I would have it also. In Matthew chapter 7, uh, there is an idea about good measure. 
it says, for with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it'll be measured back to you. There is a spiritual equation here that when I'm judgmental to others, I activate a kind of judgment back on my life. The way I treat others becomes the yardstick by which I am treated. It's a spiritual principle. If you're always angry, then people will always be angry with you. If you're always judgmental and have reasons to pull somebody down, then you activate an idea that you will be measured by the same standard you initiated. That's why the Bible says you ought to do to others as you would have it done to you. But when God is good, that's just a spiritual principle. When God is good though, something changes. And that's found in Luke chapter six. Give and it'll be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your bosom. For the same measure you measure, it will be measured back to you. Now here's the principle. When I do something and the, and the world gives me back the same as what I gave, that's just life. But when I do something in God, God multiplies it because he is a good, good father. So my little apology unlocks a great redemption. My little act of repentance opens a door to eternity. My tackling of a small thing, I give a little, I step out a little, I apologize a little, I repent a little. I take a little thing which might seem insignificant and you would think, what are you gonna get back from that? And God being good takes it and he multiplies it a good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over shall be poured into your life. How many of you can testify that you did not get what you deserve because God is good. How many of you can testify you got more than you worked for and were blessed with greater wealth and riches, both spiritual and other, because God is good? How many of you can testify that you did a little thing and it produced a huge, huge reward? How many of you can testify that my little act of repentance opened something so big for me? If you want to know that God is good, do a little thing that is righteous and watch God do a massive thing as a reward. For God is my exceeding great reward. Something powerful about that. Something powerful about people in scripture doing the tiniest things and getting the biggest results. All over scripture, constant reminders. A man sows a seed and he reaps 30, 60, 100 fold. God is good because the good measure he uses is the multiplication measure. Some of you are in for big multiplication in your life because you've faithfully and consistently just done little things. You've said sorry. You've asked God's forgiveness. You've planted a seed. You've done it the right way. You've rejected attempts at bribery, corner cutting, or lack of integrity. And I want you to know, you're going to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And he will do it by giving you a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your life. Can you say amen to that? There's a second way of recognizing that God is good. God is good because he takes me to the full measure. You know, we used to make a joke. I'm sure it's very old now. We used to say, if somebody was a little crazy, 
We used to say that their elevator didn't go all the way to the top. Now, some of you are laughing as though you may have used that today or over this weekend. So you, you must repent. You, you must repent. We, we, we also, we used to say the lights were on, but nobody was home. You know, I'm disappointed at how many of you don't know a Bible verse to quote it. Uh, but you know, the crazy statements. I, I, I am especially referring to the one where you know, people say, uh, you know, the elevator doesn't go all the way to the top. Uh, you know, the problem with that is you don't know what the top is in your life until you've put your life in the hands of the one who built you. You might think you've reached the top. You might think so. Maybe I'm talking to somebody online. You think, well, I'm, you know, I don't know how much, how much do I need to really pay attention to God. I'm doing okay. I'm at the top of my game. My business is tops, as they say in KZN. My relationship has never been better. My kids say yes, sir, and no, sir. You know, you know that's not true. That's at the, couldn't be better, top. You, you only know when you surrender your life to Christ where top is, because you might be on the 10th floor and think that's the best it could ever be, and you don't know that your heavenly Father had already prepared layer upon layer upon layer upon layer of heights for you. And you'll only discover that when you put your life in the hands of a good shepherd. God gives us full measure, not just good measure, but full measure. Ephesians 4 says, until we grow spiritually, I'm from the Amplified this time, until we grow spiritually to become a mature believer, reaching the measure of the fullness of Christ, manifesting his spiritual completeness and exercising our spiritual gifts in unity. You know, I, I think I was probably um, 17 or so, uh, and I, all jokes aside, said to a doctor during an annual checkup, I'm still gonna grow a bit, hey. And he said, uh, 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 how tall were your grandparents? And I said, they were a little shorter than me. He said, yeah. It's done now. I remember making a joke. I've, I've, I've mentioned this before. I'm sure of it, that I have great fear of heights. But I seriously considered bungee jumping because there was a journal article that said, you can grow up to two centimeters if you bungee jump by the stretching of this one, but it only lasts about three months. But I thought I only need three months for profile pictures. Uh, how many of you have decided your spiritual growing is done? How many of you have decided that's just the way the genetics work? Uh, how many of you are needing some traumatic, almost near-death experience like a spiritual bungee jump to get you to grow? Or if you just put yourself into the hands of a God is good, good shepherd, and he will lead you to full measure of God, what God had intended. Some people are dating and marrying people while their lives are on the middle floors and not getting to the top. So they'll make middle floor decisions and they make middle floor financial outcomes and they make middle floor uh, considerations. And yet there is more. Only when I have a good God leading me like a good shepherd do I discover that God has, has more. 
1 Peter 2 says, like newborn babies, you should long for the pure milk of the Word so that by it you may uh, be nurtured and grow in respect of or to the salvation uh, until it, it is ultimately fulfilled or its ultimate fulfillment. If in fact you have already tasted what? The goodness and gracious kindness of the Lord. Do you know you grow when you approach God recognizing God is good? Taste and see that the Lord is good. And finally, I wanna wrap up with one other principle and that is the idea that there is only one ultimate measure, the only measure on whether God's, on whether your life is going God good. There are a lot of good people in the world and they are not all Christians. Sometimes Christians can be difficult. And sometimes non-Christians can be very, very nice. None of you want to amen this at the moment because it flies against, your anxiety level has risen in the room so much. There are good people in the world who are not Christian. And there are some Christians who haven't gotten around to being good. They're gonna get there. We're gonna get there. Why did I just distance myself from you? <laughs> We're going to get there. But here's what makes something good by God's standard. It is the following of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior that makes things good. Don't mistake good deeds for a good life. They're not the same. I want to close with this verse because it's just so powerful. It's from the message. I'm sorry if that irritates some. Mark chapter eight and verse 34 says, calling the crowd to join his disciples, he said, anyone who intends to come with me has to let me lead. You're not in the driver's seat, I am. Don't run from suffering, embrace it. Okay, Lord, I will sing tried by fire. Follow me and I'll show you how. Self-help is no help at all. Self-sacrifice is the way, my way to saving you, your true self. What good would it do to get everything you want and lose you, the real, the real you? What could you ever trade your soul for? That's a big verse. It's in Mark chapter 8, message translation. If you want me in your life, you've got to let me lead. You're not in the driver's seat, I am. Don't fear suffering. Sacrifice is the way to go. I'll teach you. I'll show you how to save your soul. I just love that verse. I love the idea that if we'll let God lead us and we'll allow Him to direct our paths, something really significant happens. Things get good, but by God's standard of what good is. Life changes because we're under the mighty hand of a good shepherd. I am tired of going my own way and discovering when I get there that it wasn't as fulfilling as I'd hoped. Take it from an old man. No. <laughs> That's too far. Stop going your own way and hoping God will make that good. Go God's way and it'll be good even in the going. Can you say amen to that? Would you stand together with me as we pray? 
just want to acknowledge our online church, our uh, uh, radio listeners, uh, and acknowledge just how many of you are online. Uh, please let us know where you're watching from. We'd love to serve you. Online church is church. In fact, we're sending communion boxes with little prayer cards and communion to other places of the world, people who watch online, so we can take communion together on Passover weekend, Good Friday. So you just hit us up with a message and we'll send you a communion box for you, your family and friends to get around and have communion. I'd like to pray. And my prayer this morning would be to invite you to let God be the good shepherd. God is good, but could we add shepherd to the sentence? Just between us privately. God is good shepherd. Because implied in that is my willingness to let Him lead. And my confidence that He knows what He's doing. So Lord, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You. It reminds us that You are good and Your mercies endure forever. We thank You, Lord, that every good and perfect gift according to James comes from a Father of heavenly lights. Right now, our circumstance may not be good. Our situation may be in troubling times. But Lord, You are good. And we are good, You and I. And because of that, we're in a good place, even if everything else isn't yet. Would you teach us to separate that, that which is worldly and cannot be expected to be always good and that which is spiritual and can be expected to be always good because you're a perfect father who knows how to give good gifts to your children. We pray this morning, Lord, that we will not stop short and just say God is good, but to say that you are a good shepherd. And in that statement, we surrender ourselves as sheep under your mighty hand. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, would you give God a shout of praise, worship, and thanksgiving wherever you are.